welcome to the Kitchen Table Podcast, where the table comes in all sizes, shapes, and styles. Join Kyle and Seth as we explore the journey of food from our field to your dinner plate. The one guarantee is that there will always be a seat for everyone at the kitchen table. Kyle, great to have you here. How are you? Doing good, Seth. Very excited for another week of the kitchen table. It's been a big week. Spend a lot of time around that kitchen table and just really enjoy meeting here with you tonight. I'll be honest, these are some of the highlights of my week is being able to sit with friends and talk about issues that are really important to myself, my family, my community, and even across the state and really across the country and in that common bond of agriculture and what that means to us. And it's always awesome to be able to talk with with really special friends, and Kyle, you're right at the top of that list. Just uh, I value your input and your opinion into, I guess, an insight in a lot of cases into the industry and then your passion for it. Kyle, as we get started tonight, I have to know your one word that describes agriculture in Nebraska. I'm going to make this one a little bit more personal. I thought about changing it, but I'm, I'm going to go with mental health. Uh, I had a a uh, long weekend, long last week of harvest, just in the season that we're in, was up in Boyd County where we have our main farm and then back in Burt County on the weekend for where I spend most of my time. And it was just a really busy week and kind of getting to that third quarter of the football game via harvest and just kind of really got grindy and hard and then just planted for Monday had a little bit of anxiety planning for this week. And so my word this week is mental health. Well, that's that's all right. That shows a sense of realism and authenticity also. And you had actually mentioned that previously in a podcast about kind of rounding, rounding the third base or entering the third quarter of harvest and about how the mental strain is evident in all around us. And I'll tell you what, we're not much different than that here within uh, here within our state where we're trying to do the best job that we can, but we, we have incredibly muddy fields. If you would allow me, I would say that my word for the week is energized. And I'm sitting here in a seat where I feel incredibly energized. I was recently selected for a, uh, a leadership program called the Great Lakes Leadership Academy. We actually met for three days at the tail end of last week. And Man, what an incredible group of diverse individuals that convene together for a nine or a 10 month period. And we talk about all relevant issues within the Michigan economy or the Michigan, the structure of our state, I guess, in a lot of cases. And just a really incredible opportunity to be able to meet with 14 or 15 other individuals. And in that program is set up as different segments every time that we meet. And last time we talked about natural resources and, and, uh, and forestry. And then in December, we'll be reconvening again and talking about agriculture, which is far more my style. And agriculture is relevant and present in every day of my life. Had the opportunity to see my father-in-law today. It was kind of interesting. He'd been gone for six days. And anytime a dairy farmer has the chance to leave home, uh, you can just see it when they come back from vacation great chance for him to be able to get away and just really to kind of collect his thoughts and then understand the direction of, I guess, of his operation and how he wants that to look. 
And so when we were sitting How there talking. How did he talk- get away for six days? You got to fill us in. You didn't tell us where he went. Oh, well, that's, that's all right. How did Farmer get away for six days? Where did he go? <laughs> Dairy farmers don't have it. Don't typically leave. Uh, don't even leave the county. I think getting to go to McDonald's for uh, for lunch or for dinner sometimes is considered a vacation. And so he actually went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And for those of our listeners that don't know, Michigan is the land of two peninsulas. And so they went up. He, he and my mother-in-law went up, did a fall color tour, and they just had a great time getting away and the farming was continued on as the blessing of having a great workforce and having individuals and employees that you can trust. That's incredibly important for any business. And I say that also kind of to tee up our topic for tonight. And it's something that Kyle, you and I had talked about really pretty lengthy, just in a sense that the role or the importance that agriculture plays within our local communities and then across our individual states. And if I'm not mistaken, agriculture is the number one industry in Nebraska. And then it depends on the year, but it's either number two or number three in Michigan. Obviously, we have a rather robust auto industry. And then we have a very lucrative tourism industry. And then agriculture and tourism flip-flop just depends on the year. And in some cases, they're married together with agritourism. Kyle, just was interested to gather your thoughts. And I mean, as we talked about in the background, there's some pretty substantial things that are happening with Nebraska agriculture. Well, first, I want to touch on your great word for the week. And when you brought up how much you look forward to this time, I've really been stressing to try to get the connection and network is important. And I think agriculturally in Nebraska, when you're in that third quarter, so to speak, of a hard harvest and It gets exhausting to communicate. It gets hard to continue to network. It gets hard with staff. It gets hard to just really make sure the dots are being connected. And so that's that's really, I think, where across Nebraska you're going to see, like we said a few weeks ago, you got the excitement of harvest. And now you really have to be disciplined to get the things finished. Last week, I literally was going around collecting tickets, getting on John Deere operations, making sure the harvest data matched what the tickets were saying, and just kind of what I need to do better of and what I can see is is just really plugging into people, really plugging into staff. But another thing that I did, which I, I think I texted you the other day about, was a new business going in Nebraska that um, is called Sustainable Beef LLC. And the person that I met probably three or four years ago going to North Platte, Nebraska to look at some cattle, went with a landlord of mine and we, we went down there to do a kind of a partnership on some cattle and just went through this very impressive operation. Young, young man, uh, probably 25 or 30 at the time. I'm not really sure. They got four kids. He was just working his tail off processing cattle when we got there and we kind of told him what we were wanting to look for and he does an interesting business where he develops heifers develops cows um, preps them for disposition and genetics and really tries to get them ready for sale really professionalizing the cattle industry and the cattle themselves it just so happened that last week this guy was on fox news and 
was talking about this new business that's going into North Platte, which is a beef plant. Um, if you haven't followed the last probably year and a half, beef prices have really been volatile, kind of in the upward motion, but yet sometimes the producer or the farmer is not maybe getting their fair share of, of the sales or of the revenue. And so a group of producers out there decided to start working towards a new packing plant and a new business. And just from what I listened to, I think they're talking about 800 to 1,000 new employees. And the really neat thing that I heard was the starting pay was going to be 50000 per person for, for workers there. And I think economically, that's, that's a big deal. There's a lot of factors that go into that. But I think they're going to have a really energized workforce with those kind of dollars to get the thing started up. And then another thing that this just blows my mind, I'm going to kind of steal his statistic. I haven't actually done the math on this, but he talked about it being a $1 billion economic change for that area to the positive. And the analogy that he used was the difference between $1 billion seconds and 1 million seconds and 1 million seconds is 11 minutes and 1 billion seconds is 31 years and so sometimes those numbers get so big and we can't really compute them anymore it's kind of like well 1 million 1 billion 10 million what's the difference you know it gets it kind of gets not understandable and so he really articulated it well on the economic boom that they're going to help facilitate. And it's really a community project. There, there's the, the town has to approve it. There's the local chamber of commerce. And then these families are all kind of putting this together to give the consumer another choice for meat probably will be a worldwide market. I mean, every business is on, a guy told me today, every business is online, no matter what, if, if you're not online, that tells us where your business is at. And so I think there's some truth to that where this business in North Platte, Nebraska won't have to truck their cattle very far. Um, a lot of the trucking will be home at night. Um, just a lot of facts that came out of that interview that were really exciting for Nebraska. And that's probably the biggest, hottest topic in Nebraska right now. Let's take a second, I guess, and peel back the layers of that size and scope of an operation. And I think that it really ties into our topic last week in which we talked about supply chain issues and the ability to get our products out of our field to your dinner plate. Some of that, obviously, as you had just mentioned, is global a global economy and certainly a global industry. And I sat through and listened to the interview then also. And man, what an energetic person. I'd love to have the opportunity to interview him or more importantly, to be able to go see his operation because environmental sustainability, livestock sustainability, those are really important factors in my life then also. But there's, I'm looking at it also from a different angle. When you're starting to look at putting a plant in or a facility in or any business for that matter, that is going to generate a positive $1 billion for a local community. Those numbers are absolutely staggering because it does create other business opportunities for individuals that want to explore businesses or want to explore becoming a business owner. And I do think that that's one of the things that 
COVID and some of the aspects that we've seen over the last year and a half is, is that people are more interested in, than ever in becoming a business owner and becoming their own bosses in a lot of cases. And that really kind of strikes back to the American entrepreneurial type spirit, especially as we saw individuals coming from Europe to Staten Island with the hope and the anticipation of a better life. Uh, we see it with people that are trying to move into the United States every day. And then even westward expansion. I think that that all really played a role into our entrepreneurial spirit. And it's something that is ingrained in a lot of us. But I want to focus on, on agriculture's role and the role of small businesses. And a little piece of my background then too is I used to sit on, a, on our county economic development committee. I sat on a couple of state economic development committees, and then I'm on a national economy and budget advisory committee. I kind of have a snapshot into uh, business ideas or business structures or what people want to do to try to make ends meet and to try to make their lives better. In a lot of cases, they're living a dream. But the one thing that has always struck me as being absolutely critical and really important of small businesses is that when a dollar bill is spent at a small business, that money is returned seven times within that individual community. And so you think about that, the magnification is of $1 really is the same as generating $7. And strictly from a farmer's perspective, let's say a farmer sells a product they get a dollar, they pay an employee, they pay feed costs for their animals, they pay for tractor equipment, they pay for all sorts of things, no different. And then they have to pay for groceries, I guess, in some cases also for their own dinner plate. And so that money gets returned to the local communities seven different times. That's absolutely staggering. If they're looking at a $1 billion shot in the arm, I guess, in a lot of cases, that, that's pretty incredible. Just as a point of reference, in Michigan, agriculture generates about $100 billion annually for our state's economy. Part of that is because we are the second most agriculturally diverse state in the country. Not a lot of people would understand that. I mean, we're second only to California. California has four different climatic zones, but we have all of the Great Lakes. And that so that keeps our climates temperate, it allows us to have orchards and vegetables and and a lot of fruits and then a lot of livestock because we have a lot of water, water availability, I guess, to feed those animals or to water those animals that other states may not. But when we start to talk about billions of dollars, that's really pretty, it's just a staggering amount of, amount of money, especially when you say a million seconds is 11 minutes. I think it's actually 11 days and then 31 years, but it's, Pretty amazing, pretty exciting, strictly from an economics you know, perspective. So that reminds me of one of my speeches back in high school. We're, we're going to keep this fond, Ben, too. It was something about 86,400 seconds is how many seconds are in a day. And then you, and then you could work it backwards. And I did uh, <laughs> the same thing last week. I was speaking to a football team in South Dakota, and I literally was like, they had one game left. And if they win, they go to playoffs. If they lose, they don't. And I said, look. You guys got 32 minutes of your life left on this field. And I look at the coach and he's looking at me like, uh, what's, what's 32 minutes? And I go, isn't it eight minute quarters in high school? I couldn't remember the number of minutes in a high school football game. 
And so he's it like totally threw me for a loop. And I'm like, well, okay, okay, 48 minutes. You got 48 minutes of your of of any competitive football left in your life, probably. I mean, there might have been a couple of them that were going to go on and play. But, you know, sometimes we we don't think about, you know, the time we have that, you know, it does, and I don't want to get too far off topic here, but, you know, with that, it was more about just making the present matter, you know, make what you're doing now matter. Well, and, and I think that one of one of our key, one of our key variables of every podcast, especially in talking with consumers across the country is trying to give them a snapshot into our life in agriculture. And that is an awful, awful lot to unpack because it's a massive industry that has a tremendous amount of variables and volatility and understanding why we are feeling certain ways. Um, Sure, the numbers speak for themselves, but for a lot of people, those numbers are unfathomable. And so one of the things that we always focus on is, is what do we really want our audiences to know? And I'm sitting roughly 800 or 900 miles away from North Platte, Nebraska. And the, the one thing I want to know, and I'm curious about is, is what are the, what does the local community feel? Um, going to bring a 800, 800 jobs into the local community with very competitive wages, uh, extremely competitive wages. Um, I got to believe that that's a win for the community. Uh, trying to find a, a product that's sustainable in terms of being able to um, being able to produce, um, that's, that's really important. Uh, Nebraska is probably in the top five in the country for uh, cattle production. So, I mean, certainly oh, those animals are there. Uh, it alternates with Texas as number one. It okay. depends on when you look at it. In Nebraska... That part of Nebraska and mostly all the west pan, panhandle and then all the feedlots in the east and central uh, sure, cattle sure. production is our number one industry, no doubt. Well, of you guys in Michigan, you know, ultimately macroeconomically, this will help make food more affordable, more make good beef good hamburger, good steaks, a little bit more affordable because some of these rising prices are happening because of the lack of economic stimulus in the past. And so that's what I was going to bring up earlier, how there's such a silver lining. If you can constantly be looking for the good in things, COVID is instigating a lot of changes over the last year and a half with stimulus money, government money, working its way through the economy, which is really just a band-aid, but the, the bigger thing going on is it's changing the way people think. They're being forced to think differently about how their food's grown, how it's processed, how it's distributed, and ultimately how environmentally and affordable we can get it to the dinner plate. My thought sometimes always has been about what do I want an audience and consumers to know is, first and foremost, I 100% support choices for the consumer. I believe consumers should be able to know where their products come from. I believe in giving them as many different sources or opportunities to buy whatever products they want. They could be organic. They could be vegetarian. They could be vegan. They could be uh, South Beach diet. They could be keto. I, I really honestly, it does that doesn't matter to me because it creates niches then also for farmers to explore in the market products through then also. 
the one thing when we start talking about supply chain and then why the sustainable beef initiative is or LLC is such a big, a big opportunity is, is that I was listening to the news the other day and they were talking to a rancher who was also a consumer. And that's, that rancher was talking about how to go get uh, some high quality, high end prime steaks. They were paying $11 and 50 cents a pound at the grocery store. But when that rancher was selling his livestock, he was only getting like $1.25 a pound. And so the disparity of here you have someone that watches, that helps an animal come into the world. It sustains its life. It takes care of it. It nurtures it. It grows it. And it sees it go through its entire life cycle and assumes all of the risk along the way. 100% of the risk falls on that rancher. When it's sold to these processors, the processors go through and they do they do their important job of being able to put that product basically in the grocery stores. But the big misconception is, is that farmers and ranchers are the ones that are getting all this money when that really indeed is not the case. And so in the case of this sustainable beef, and I don't know any of the individuals at play, but I would have a sneaking suspicion that we could sit around our kitchen table and we could share farming stories. We could share agricultural stories. We could have some homegrown United States barley and hops and maybe some Tito's vodka, depending on who we are. We could share stories about the importance of working with consumers to know where their products come from. And these ranchers, I think it's seven families in all now, have joined together to create a marketing plan, a business plan, and development plan to be able to put this processing facility in play. And it's a substantial financial undertaking for them. But there's a lot of people that also are really going to benefit from it. And it's sure, hopefully it puts a few more dollars into a rancher's pocket. But I can assure you the one thing in life is that farmers and ranchers, they are they are rich with life. And the they are wanting always to give back to a community and just to do a great job for those, for that community. And then the people that they're producing food for. A couple of things that I want to point out that you talked about was, and you, you didn't define them, but I did notice them was what is your role in, in that process? You, you kind of talked about how these ranchers are one piece of the puzzle. There's processors are another well, there's also stockers, feedlot, trucking, marketing. Um, I just heard of a new business today. Talked to a guy, a friend of mine, and he's they just started a marketing company. And it, it takes one thing that I think the future of ag and food production is going to entail is complete collaboration, a lot of transparency. A matter of fact, I just heard the other day, I think it was a different podcast, they talked about they are at the USDA level, the, they're going to try to do some contract transparency where the public of the buy and the sell will be able to see some of the, the different contract specifics. So kind of the good old boys of the past have, have always tried to hit all their trick, hide all their tricks in the, of the trade and whatnot. I think the generation of food production that we're in and the, the people that I'm around and the farm that we've created really wants to work as a partnership with the consumer and really develop that food process of full transparency. I mean, we won't get into it today, but that brings in blockchain technology and smart contracts. 
and all of those things that ultimately will be beneficial for for the consumer, the trucker, the processor, the cow-calf guy, the stocker, kind of everybody in between. So again, I just think it's exciting to see these, I, I want to say pop-up business, but this is, I think it's actually been in the works for a year or two. And there's many more of these to just the way the economy is there's just we're being forced to think outside the box and it's not a bad thing in my opinion i'm not going to disagree with you on that point obviously it takes investor buy-in farmer buy-in consumer buy-in is also really important and that brings us up to a point where where i've always thought about what do i really want the consumers to feel all of our listeners are consumers kyle you and i are consumers and I've always really thought strongly about how do I want my consumers to feel and what's one of the consistent messages that I always want to bring to them. And sure, I always want them to, to, to feel healthy and, to, and the, the vitality, the health and vitality around their own personal lives. And that's why I always try to keep a positive spin on my outlook in life and, and certainly some of the different scenarios or situations that we're put in. But I want consumers to feel valued. And I know that that's one thing that you always focus on then too, is I want them to feel valued and I want them to be part of the solution. We are living in really pretty incredible times and with some of the supply chain issues, and we don't really need to elaborate on those. I had a meeting about some of those things the other day, and we were talking about how long some of the issues could potentially last that we hear about in California. And And that's a completely different debate for a different day. And there's certainly a lot of negative swirling around that situation. But let's take the positive. We have American products. We have people that are producing commodities and goods and finished products right here within the borders of our own of our own great nation. And it goes back to the entrepreneurial spirit. And I want our consumers to feel that they have value in making those decisions. I want them to to feel safe when it comes to buying food, especially if they're trying to think about working directly with a farmer or a rancher to purchase a product. Not all products can be purchased directly. Uh, In a lot of states, milk can't be purchased directly from a farmer. They have to go through a retail vendor of some sort and or a farmer has to have some sort of state and federal inspections that go on. And there's certainly those facilities that do exist. There's one south of our house, about 30 miles, and they get they make some of the most amazing chocolate milk and ice cream. They have tours, they have a lunch, but those consumers feel valued and those consumers feel safe going there. That's the other thing is with American agriculture, there's a lot of checks and balances We produce the cheapest, safest food source in the entire world, even though we are currently seeing an uptick in grocery store prices. We're not necessarily seeing an uptick with commodity prices. Commodity prices are relatively strong. Those numbers, commodity prices are probably going to go down here at the beginning part of the year, especially as we wrap up fall harvest. And the downside of that for farmers is that automatically means that to buy seed and fertilizer heading into next year, our costs are going to be higher and we're going to see probably a suppression of prices. And so that's a tough avenue to, to circumvent, but farmers are used to it. They're resilient. They're, uh, they've been doing this for, for entire lifetimes and in generations. And uh, they don't measure life in years. They measure life by harvests. And 
so it's just another another harvest under the belt and then start planning for the for the next harvest right away well and i think the big key there is going forward in this the life of collaboration and technology of today we're not doing it alone you and i are farming farmers in two states and i can feel change in the air i can feel uh, the value that the old idea of just producing enough corn to go to the co-op, you didn't really know what happened beyond that. Those days are a little bit over. Just this business that we're talking about today, those ranchers in western Nebraska are going to see their beef on the retail shelves in North Platte and all around the country and, and the world, really. So it's, it's just there's change in the air and I want you to feel safe and valued and that it's a good thing because I always say you trade up. When, when something changes, you always change for the better. And that's been my experience anyway. I mean, it can be what you make it, but at the same time, if you uh, back when I was strictly a tenant farmer, I every piece of land that we let go, we got a better one right around the corner, whether it was closer to home or better soil. I think we can just keep that positive direction going and, and feel that way. Well, and one of the, one of the other key points uh, that I wanted to touch on then too, we've talked pretty steadily about supply chains and then some of the risks that are associated with it. But to go back to some of your opening comments where you were talking about the overall landscape and about how those cattle are were directly in in that surrounding area and then that allowed those products to be shipped out the important thing to keep in mind too from a shipping standpoint uh, really factors into environmental sustainability we hear a lot about climate change and we hear a lot about some of the the importance of we need to sustain for our future we need to sustain our our current levels but from a, from a sustainability standpoint of just pure energy usage, anytime you can ship a finished product versus a bulk product, or excuse me, a live product, that, is, that reduces costs because it, it just takes up less space, it's less weight, you can put more on a, on a truck in this case. And so those are really important factors that, that we really can't overemphasize or really l- overlook at. And the final thing I want to do is just want to encourage each and one of you then to, to make some positive relationships. Kyle and I focus a lot on trying to keep a positive spin on our podcasts. We try to find relevant issues within the consumer industry and uh, that you may have heard about, some that you may not, but remain positive, remain resilient. And really, I want you to feel energized, as we had talked about and balanced. And I think that that's really an important part of our weekly message always to you. And then if you have questions, let us know. And I know Kyle's sitting sitting from a different perspective, but certainly more than a level-headed chance to actually have a look at it. I can't stress enough to just join our network, join this wave of a podcast, uh, look us up on Facebook, The Kitchen Table, Seth and Kyle. And we'll just, um, we're very excited to help build a platform where people can share their ideas, their thoughts on food production, uh, whether you're a consumer, a distributor, transporter, farmer, whatever your role is, just know that you have a lot of value. We value you and to come join us. 
the Kitchen Table podcast was designed to have open dialogue. It's designed to have dialogue with consumers and with other farmers and other ranchers. And, and we value people's opinions. We respect our differences and we want to build on our differences. We want to establish those relationships and strengthen them around food and talking about some of the exciting things that we may have coming up here later in the fall. The fall season is probably my favorite time for some of our fall products. We get to look at Thanksgiving, which Kyle and I will certainly be breaking down more in depth about some of the products that we can get and certainly some of the products that we consume then also. But more importantly, we care about you. We care about our listeners. We care about the conversations that are happening and then the platform that we all have and we all can hopefully respect. And by all means, keep the messages and the comments and the questions and the suggestions coming around. And as I conclude tonight, I just want to say thank you for joining our kitchen table. Thank you for joining Kyle and I around a table that that is ever evolving. The one guarantee we always make is that there's enough seats at the kitchen table. And uh, from the bottom of my heart and from Kyle, I would like to say thank you for enjoying episode number 10. Think about that, 10, Kyle. So thank you all. Have a great evening. Take care. And we certainly appreciate all the support and uh, looking forward to visiting with you next week.